At photographycourse.net, you'll be able to swap your expertise with other photographers, make light instead of wishing for it, expand your portfolio, and receive feedback from professionals, all of which will develop your artistic eye. Photographycourse.net offers an abundance of premium courses and challenges for participants at every stage of their journey, from technical settings for portrait photography, to landscape composition tricks, to how to start your own photography business, we have everything you need to start shooting confidently. You can work at a pace that suits you. Our 52-week project challenge will provide you with the educational resources, encouragement, and support that you need to take great photographs every week. You can join us at any time as our themes are evergreen. You can also start by shooting every day and learning something new with our 365 Days of Photography course. Led by an industry expert who has mentored over 10,000 students, this course will help you take your photography skills to the next level with daily, bite-sized videos. Throughout the process of learning, you'll have access to a community that will provide you with inspiration and motivation. Get encouragement from other photographers every single day. Our current limited time offer comes with a special discount code exclusive to the listeners of this podcast. Get 50% off your first year as a premium member. Claim this discount by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST. Come join photographycourse.net and capture more than just a moment. Hello everyone, my name is Taya and I'm the host of Great Big Photography World Podcast, where we interview notable photographers in the industry, give advice on a wide variety of topics, and provide tips for beginners and professionals alike. In this episode, I speak with cinematographer and photographer Niels Klaus. We talk about his beginnings, how he moved to Korea and how that affected his work, and much more. Please enjoy. We have an amazing community at photographycourse.net where you can meet new people, receive constructive criticism, join photography contests, and much more. In our community, you'll also find a 52-week project that will provide you with weekly educational videos and challenges to help you improve your skills on a regular basis. This is an amazing opportunity for you to not only enhance your skills, but also grow your network and have a wholesome experience as a photographer. We're so inspired by the amazing photographs that our members post every day. When you join our community, you'll be able to make new friends and share your progress with a passionate group of people. None of this would be possible without our members' support, so we're very grateful. In order to keep things running, we're offering exclusive membership plans that will give you access to every part of our community and our premium courses. Use the discount code GREATBIGPHOTOGRAPHYWORLD to get 50% off your first year as a member. Go to photographycourse.net slash join and use the code GREATBIGPHOTOGRAPHYWORLD without any spaces to claim your discount. Hi, Niels. Welcome to Great Big Photography World Podcast. Thank you very much for joining me today. Please introduce yourself to the listener. Hi, Taya. Thanks, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my name is Niels and I'm, yeah, I'm a photographer. Originally started out in photography, but then um, moved over to um, cinematography and directing, also editing. So do a lot of things. Yeah. My passion has always been in photography and uh, that's that was my first main interest. So yeah, it's good to be part of this podcast. Thanks for having me. Thank you for agreeing to be on the podcast. It's really interesting that you were initially into photography and then you expanded and started to specialize in, in cinematography. How did you initially get into photography? 
I think maybe it's um, the old story of um, having a camera as a little kid. I think my, my grandmother treated me with a little like 35 millimeter phone camera when I was young. And so I think that's sort of where the journey started. And um, if you look at my work, I'm mainly interested in uh, doing photography related to space and architecture. And that's also as a kid, sort of what I used to do, like um, going back through my old images, there's not a lot of portrait I've done when I was small buildings and like spaces and that sort of stuff. And yeah, but then uh, as I went along and grew up, I also started to become really interested in film as a spectator. I think uh, my first connection to really connecting with film as a genre was um, the films by Wonka Wai that sort of got me hooked. And uh, then at some point I also got to explore Korean cinema. And um, so that put me on the whole journey of first being in Hong Kong, but then later moving to Korea, making my living in Korea to explore filmmaking at the place where I like the films the best. How interesting that your life led you to Korea. So you were able to experience all these different cultures, first being in Germany and then moving to different countries, Hong Kong, Korea. I think that has really influenced your style as, as a cinematographer and photographer. And when you moved to Korea, what was it like to start over for you, artistically speaking? I think, yeah, more as a start over, I think probably um, it's the place where I started out because Prior to moving here, photography for me always just used to be a hobby. And uh, I graduated from university at Humboldt University in Berlin. And uh, I wrote my master thesis on a film like Happy Together by Wonka Wai, um, connected to space and architecture related to the identity issues the Hong Kong people had regarding the handover of Hong Kong to China. I was... Um, mainly surrounded by, I was mainly engaged in doing theoretical work. and But then I moved to Korea with the intention to swing that around or switch that out to being more hands-on and practical. It was also a point where finishing university, I realized, okay, I whatever I do now, I also need to try to make a living out of that. And uh, when I moved here, Fortunately, I was um, accepted in a program to learn Korean language and then after that into another program, which um, allowed me to do a master in cinematography. So it was sort of easy at the start through these programs to be like integrated into society, learn the language and get to know Korea better and also like source the possibilities of how it's possible for me to work here after these grants through like scholarships like finished off yeah like a hobby turned into a profession and uh, there was a tremendous change but reflecting about it i think i was never really um, aware of it i was just probably in it and it just sort of happened and came together and um and it also took me a long time to sort of like figure out what's the right approach and what's the best workflow. And uh, I think at the start, I was experimenting a lot 
part of that experimentation was also to participate in photography contests. And so I sent in my portfolio for various places and was rejected quite a lot. But then in 2011, I was um, awarded with the European um, Architectural Photography Prize. And I got the grand prize yeah, for the award. And and I, I think that that gave me a lot of confidence. There was a booster where I felt, okay, it's possible for me to do this and it's possible for me to work in this and engage in this. And uh, But before that, it was also a lot of trial and error, I have to say. Yeah, I can imagine when you first start out, whether it's in your own country or in another country, it doesn't matter where you are, starting out and trying to find out who you are as a photographer or as a cinematographer, it's not easy. And especially when you start to join photography contests and then maybe you get rejected a lot, that can yeah. toll on you. And I can imagine that it wasn't easy to go through that. But I'm glad to know that you persisted and that you were finally able to really understand who you are artistically. And now you have a very distinct style. I remember reading a description of your work that said that your pictures are mathematical, geometrical, and emotional. And I think that perfectly describes it. It just, there is emotion in your work, but the geometry is perfect. And there's a story being told. And I'm just curious to know what your process is, especially when it comes to coming up with inspiration, finding inspiration for your work. What is it like for you to set up a shoot, for example? It's uh, interesting you mentioned that with uh, your reference, like uh, towards my style, because the way you described is exactly how I also started out as a filmmaker. My first project I did was um, a short film compiled out of still photographs. And I was sort of shy to make the jump into um, filmmaking in the first place, but I had a good friend who had me involved in this project. And then he got ex accepted at film school in Beijing and he left and he left me with the project. And he said, you should finish it. And so I took the stills and the stills and then I put it in the timeline and uh, did an edit and made a little short film out of it. After that, I continued making short films um, prior to university. But then my first films were exactly like my photographs. And I had to realize that doesn't necessarily work or I should be uh, exploring different styles. And then I decided to get rid of the tripod and take the camera into my hands or put it on my shoulder and became a huge fan of doing handheld work. and. Also, I've been inspired by filmmakers who on purpose do a lot of handheld cinematography, like uh, the films of Andrea Arnold, for example, um, her cinematography, uh, her cinematographer, Robbie Ryan, like he's not allowed to put the camera on the tripod. And then the films by the Dardenne brothers uh, from Belgium, they celebrate handheld camera work. And that was um, very influential for me. Like funny enough, like uh, one of my more recent films um, I've done with a long-term collaborator of mine, Neil Dowling, uh, the film is called Crossroads. I kind of felt I want to put the camera on the tripod again and go back to what I initially did with my photography or what I like. 
in terms of comp composition with photography. So it's it's very composed and very photographic and it was kind of interesting to circle back to that after all these years. Oh, interesting. I've never thought about that. Handheld shots definitely have a different feeling to them. I've seen quite a lot of movies where you can tell that it's handheld. And it's interesting. It has more movement, obviously, to it. But then I've never noticed more stable or stability in movies. I never noticed that. I'll have to pay attention to that from now on. It's interesting. And that's how you think as a cinematographer. That's what comes with the territory. It's very interesting that you have this perspective. Yeah. Because, and uh, sorry to interrupt you, yeah, because I think what's really important as a cinematographer is to think about blocking. And if I take a photo of a, a building, I, I don't need to think about that. I only need to think about composition. But then as a cinematographer, like despite the whole complexity of lighting, you need to think about, okay, what's my shot? But like, what's my shot from beginning to end? which is really defined by how the actors or how the talents in the frame move. And then there's like multiple ways you can move with them or around them or like past them with the camera. So it gets a lot more complex difficulties I was talking about. It also shows there's a lot of similarities, but then moving image is also a completely different thing again and I kind of underestimated that at the start when I was at, at film school here in Korea where I felt okay I, I know how to operate this camera but there was a lot more to it. Yeah I can understand that it's much more complex. What can photographers learn from cinematographers in terms of storytelling? That's a good question yeah and I think I I don't know if I still completely understand that, but I know with my photography work, I used to work in a series where kind of famous, like through the Bechers, yeah, where they take the, the same framing with a similar object over and over again. And I think when I um, started out, I was very much like influenced by this sort of style of photography. But then when you do short films or short moving content, then you need to think about the story. And then let's say you have a short film and you take the best screen grabs out of that, that short film, then you have a plethora of like very different images and different circumstances. And I think me as a photographer, I was always shy to do that at the beginning. Now I start to understand because I've shifted away from my photography work where I was at a point almost only involved in uh, moving imagery work. And um, now recently I became more interested in like doing personal photography work again. And so I suddenly understand the beauty of contrast and using different images which connect together as a story, but also need to work as an individual cut. Mm, it's very interesting. I think no matter what you specialize in, and no matter what you do, whether it's cinematography or photography, there's always something new to learn. And sometimes you might even go back to your old style or back to old techniques. As you mentioned, you didn't use a tripod for a while and you started using a tripod again. It's sort of very back and forth, but you're always learning something new. I think that's exciting. 
Yeah, I think I uh, can only speak for myself, but for me, it felt at the start, it felt like, okay, what's that thing? What's the formula to sort of like figure? And I, if I speak with like young photographers, young aspiring filmmakers, they often ask me that question, like, um, how do you approach it? And what gear do you use? And what lenses do you use? And uh, it almost like, Listening to these questions, it almost feels like there's a certain fixed formula. But if it would be as easy as, as that, then we all would be able to manage the craft. But I think after a while, it's important to bring all these questions back to yourself and ask yourself, okay, what do I need? And what do I think is important for this? And then suddenly you're not so restricted anymore. You have a lot of possibilities. And I think this uh, where a lot of beauty comes from. And and then also, if you engage in multiple trades, yeah, I, I, I never, myself, I never became the cinematographer, Niels Klaus, or the, the director, or the editor, or the photographer. It's been a mixture of everything. That means also that you, um, in some parts, need to sacrifice. But in other parts, um, you're also able to link the traits and learn from each other. So for example, I think my biggest teacher to me as a cinematographer has been me also engaging in editing, being an editor, because then you have your footage and you take it into an edit. And if you lack that shot, or uh, if you feel you should have done uh, a different movement with the camera, or you should have done this rather than that, then it's teaching you all the time. And then you implement that the next time doing your shoots. So I think it's very important as a DOP, as a cinematographer, that you're very quick during a shoot to edit in your head and of shots you need and you don't need and to make that judgment. And many people who don't edit or can't edit or don't engage in editing at all, it's very difficult for them to um, make these type of decisions. That makes a lot of sense. And I think that can be applied to photography as well, where if you edit your own images, as you edit them, you might find mistakes. And then you have more experience the next time you take photographs. It'll be easier, hopefully, for you to exactly. mistakes. Yeah, That's interesting. And you're right, having multiple skills like that within the same genre, basically, within the same category can really help you greatly and can you can learn from all those different skills in some way and i think also you being a photographer has affected your cinematography and vice versa so i think it's an amazing set of skills to have they're interconnected and they're always helping you mm, i agree our online photography community is a place where you can grow your skills and learn something new every single day if you want to join conversations like this one and connect with like-minded photographers from across the world, you're in the perfect place. We have a special discount code for our podcast listeners. We're offering 50% off your first year as an extraordinary or limitless member. Go to photographycourse.net slash join to claim your discount with the code greatbigphotographyworld. If somebody, if a photographer specifically, is interested in becoming a cinematographer, what should they know? What kind of qualities do they need to have in order to be successful in this industry? I think a sort of draws back to the same thing. And I, I think it's probably also the hardest part if 
people start out or if people are trying to make that transition, I think it's um, important to be confident in yourself. And uh, I see a lot of younger people who really master the craft, but they sort of lack their own style because they're always trying to like imitate something which they find on YouTube or which they find online. It's always uh, very tempting and it has been tempting for me as well. And there was a period when I um, started putting my films up on uh, Vimeo as a platform. I also became, I was a, a daily um, spectator of the new films, which um, have been uploaded on the Vimeo platform, like the Staff Pick channel. And if you watch content based on what's contemporary, what's hot, what's new, it's so easy to be influenced it, and it's so easy to be intrigued by it and to feel that you should be doing the same thing. But I think the more you engage in that sort of thinking, it takes you away from the essence, what this is all really about, because in the end, this is about you and the story you want to tell. And this is why you can also, you have one subject matter and you can have multiple films or multiple photography series about that same subject matter if people approach that subject matter all from the point of like I, okay, what's the story I want to tell? But if I look at it and uh, take all these references and look, okay, how have they done that and feel the pressure of doing it similar um, or to um, reach up to um, someone they idolize, I think it's always a lack of something. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. I think it's the same in photography. I'm sure you can relate to this. There are so many trends out there and it's nice to know what they are, but if you get too into them, if you get too obsessed, then you might lose your own style in the process. Um, even if it's, it's a really hard thing, yeah, because um, there's so many multiple things like we need to like sort out and handle. Yeah. And for us, it's not only for most of us, it's not just a hobby, it's a profession and um, you also want to survive and you have to um, deal with um, requests by clients to sort of give you that exactly that same thing. Yeah, And uh, it disconnects you from the eye and it connects you to what everyone else has been doing and what's like trendy and hot. So it's it's really hard to disengage from that, but it's also very important. And this is why if people tell me that like throughout my work, they see that I have a individual style, or if they look at my work, or, um, they're familiar with my work and they see a new piece, they come across it and they wouldn't know that it's connected to my name, that they kind of feel, okay, that's that's something Niels would do. Or I think that's something Niels could have been doing. You know? And that's always like the biggest compliment for me because something which I find, it's something when I started out, which I found so difficult to um, to approach and to implement. And But at a certain point, I also had to realize that like content online is getting better and better in terms of the craft that 
it's something you can't keep chasing. You really um, burn yourself out if you always want to follow the next new trend. And I think uh, that energy is much better used if you focus on uh, what you believe is the right thing to do and crafting your own sort of language, visual language. I like what you said about approaching filmmaking and photography from your own perspective because it makes it sound more specialized. As you said earlier, there's no formula for it. If there was, everybody would be producing the same kind of work. And because we don't have a formula, we're able to develop our own unique styles, our own unique looks. So it's nice that it's we have this opportunity as creators to produce our own work with our own styles. And it might be difficult, of course, especially if you get distracted by all the other trends and start comparing yourself to other But if you stick to your own path, then it will pay off in the long run, I believe. And it has definitely paid off in your work. As you said, that people know your style, they're familiar with how distinct it is, and I'm sure that's very gratifying for you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Photographycourse.net is a place where you can find an abundance of photography inspiration in different forms like premium courses, articles, video tutorials, editing resources, and much more. We have a thriving community where you can meet new people, receive constructive criticism, and discover new ideas every single day. Here is a message from one of our top community members, Robert Morton. Hi, my name is Rob. I specialize in wildlife photography and landscape photography. I'm a member of photographycourse.net online community. I like the community because you get some fantastic ideas and some great feedback. So take your photography to the next level by clicking the link in the description. That's what I did and I haven't looked back. If you want to join our online community, go to photographycourse.net and enter the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% of your first year as a premium member. Your work has been featured in high-profile publications. You've worked with many well-known brands, and you even made a movie for Blackpink, which is the number one girl group in South Korea. I think that's a very big deal. And I'm curious to know, how should photographers market themselves in order to work with bigger companies like that? In terms of Blackpink movie, I have to say, um, like I didn't make the film. I was um, the DOP within that project so i was hired as a cinematography to be part of this production because i'm so disconnected from korean pop culture when i was um, asked to be part of this project i actually i had to look up who blackpink are <laughs> so it's just, everybody knows them but um even in the west these days yeah but yeah it's it kind of shows the level of my engagement with um, Korean popular culture. In terms of my work and clients, I've never been chasing a job. It's kind of fortunate, but sometimes I feel maybe I should do that a bit more to um, really get on the projects I like to get on. But other than that, yeah, clients reach out to me if I'm available for these types of jobs. And when I started out, I worked on quite a few projects which um, 
had sort of non-significant budget and were I was not able to work with a big team and but were also was always um, ready to negotiate with the client that I was saying okay the budget is really that small then I'd like to request some more creative freedom on this project and I think that's for me probably also a good advice I want to give that people should never shy away of like bringing in their own style and their own language into projects, especially if they're not well paid, that they use that as an opportunity to um, negotiate with the client. And because the more you get to do that, and the more you get to build a portfolio, which is like build on your own language, then at some point clients get back to you for that certain reason, because um, they want to work with you because of that distinct individual style. So I, I, I think that also always like sort of like paid off for me. That's great advice. I think it's really wise as well. Instead of saying no to a project, you can get a little bit of money, even if the budget isn't all that great, but you can also get a lot of experience from that if you request creative freedom and if they give it to you. I've never thought of it that way. I think it's very wise and can help you add more content to your portfolio yeah there, there's um a project i made um, called bikini words the, the client was a regional office in seoul and uh, they contacted me and um, i had a first meeting with them they told me the budget and then i was called in for a second meeting the week after and already agreed to um, do the project together and then they cut the budget by one third I felt, oh, no, I'm not going to do it. And just want to walk out the door. But then I thought, maybe wait a minute. Because with these regional, the film was meant to be for an installation. They wanted to set up for an exhibition talking about the history of that certain district in Seoul. But then I knew, like, um, often these, like, sort of, like, conservative bureaucratic establishments they have their own ideas about implementing um, certain style and within architecture-related uh, video videos, it's mostly want a lot of like flashy time lapses and um, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And but for me, that wasn't the type of project to do that or to integrate that. And then I told them, okay, I do the project for the revised budget, but I want absolute creative freedom and then they agreed and they said yes and they never touched me and they um, uh, appreciated the video the way it was so i think sometimes we're too intimidated with clients and i know we need to serve them and uh, we need to present the job the way they anticipate the job to be but um so often we're in situations where we're sort of taken advantage of in terms of payments and like really low and unreasonable budgets. So I think there's also a little bit of leverage room for us to um, step up and negotiate and fight for. And um, in the end, it's also with good intention, yeah, because we're also trying to shape something where we feel as creative people, this 
might or possibly or hopefully create the best possible result. And um, often clients also don't are, are not able to envision that. And uh, so it's, it's I think uh, it takes a bit of negotiation and um, like overcoming your fears and communicating rather than just um, doing everything how it's like sort of thrown at you. I agree with you. It's very easy to feel intimidated when you meet a big company or even if it's a small company, they're still your employer in some way. And so alone is very intimidating for anyone. But it's good to stand your ground and to be brave because once you take that first step, I think it'll be easier to continue making your own decisions and being confident when talking with clients. I think that can also have a big effect on your career if if clients see that you're confident in yourself. If you work with um, bigger clients and like on bigger jobs and where you have a creative agency like in between, then you also need to understand that you're not the only creative in this project and the the client is also paying a lot of money for this so it it also like coming from these like small projects where i took it with um more of a a stubborn mindset yeah i also needed to learn that um at some point um, certain projects you you're you're serving the client and you need to bridge and you need to um give them what they want and uh, so it's I suppose it depends like from project to project, but if you have that sort of project where there's room for creativity, the client is open for it, then yeah, don't be afraid to step up and negotiate and um, make recommendations. Yeah, yeah, you have to be flexible as well. As you said, if it's a bigger company, yeah. it's more people working like for the Black Pink movie, you were the cinematographer and there were, I'm sure, a bunch of other people working on it. I'm sure that was a very different experience than working for maybe a smaller company like the one that you mentioned with the exhibition. Yeah. And being being a cinematographer is also, you need to have a different mindset than being a photographer or being the director where the project is more of yours. But as a cinematographer, you're part of the team and you're serving and you need to in the first place, serve the director and like implement their vision. So it also took me to learn that and uh, to be very sensitive about this and um, understand your role um, as someone who's in service and not as someone who's like making the decisions. But then it also depends on the director. Like some directors say, okay, I'm not a visual person. I trust you. Um, I like your work. Please take a lead. But then there's other directors who have a very certain idea about um, how this film is supposed to look or how this project is supposed to look. And then it's uh, you're wasting your energies if you're stubborn and you're trying to fight that. Uh, you just got to deliver. That's true. For a huge project like the Black Pink movie, how long did it take you to work on that? So the Blackpink movie itself, I don't know if you've seen it, but they used actually, they used a lot of archival footage. And it's also based on a concert, the last concert before the corona pandemic. So they wanted to um, give something to their fans. And that's why they decided to make this movie. 
so we shot additional content with them, which was um, very stylized. For each member of them, there's um, a homage to old films where like each each member is stepping into a scenario of an old film. And so we shot these parts and then we shot additional um, interviews with them. Also, based on availability, uh, it, the, the time is very limited. So it was um, much less in terms of um, shoot days than people might anticipate. So it's just, I wasn't, I wasn't involved in the project from beginning to end. So the, the part I contributed to the project was a part of the film um, besides all this archival and concert footage. So it took us just a couple of days to shoot with them. Okay, that's interesting. I watched the trailer and I saw there was a lot of concert footage. So I thought that yeah. you did that as well. And I was just wondering how huge that uh, was if you had to follow them around. I didn't shoot the concert itself. And uh, there was also a huge like multiple camera shoot the concert itself, I think. Can't recall, maybe eight, nine, ten cameras or something. And that was already existing when the project has been passed on to the director who I work with. But then the additional stuff we uh, shot with them, it was it was a big shoot. Uh, I think uh, it was a shoot with like probably around like 100 people on set. And we actually um, rented two sets because um, there was a lot of infrastructure involved and um, like building these different sets to make the time as much efficient as possible for um, the talents, for the musicians. There was a lot of logistics which um, needed to be figured out. So a, a lot of time went, like more than the shoot, a lot of time went into pre-production and figuring things out to make the shoot as efficient as possible. But that itself was like, yeah, I was really thankful to be part of it. It was great experience. And was also great experience working with them. And I think my attitude towards the industry or also sort of to the talent industry is I just see them like any other human being. Like I, I don't differentiate and um, I don't understand anyone to be like more special than um, anyone else here on earth. And sort of made it really easy for me to communicate with them because um, I didn't have this fear to approach them because they're these, like, they're these like big stars. And But I feel a lot of people on set, they were like very intimidated because of them being like such a big thing. But then if you approach them in a very normal manner, being polite, yeah, then they also appreciate that. They want to have these type of conversations, I felt. Yeah, I can imagine because they're so famous, just incredibly famous. And so mm. it treats them very differently than they would treat a normal person, just an average person on the street. So I can imagine it's refreshing for them to be treated again like a normal person, as you said, and to not feel like they're better than someone else. Or I think that connection is very important. So when working with bigger clients and famous people, it's definitely something to keep in mind, right? You just have to treat them like normal people. Yeah, and like everyone with a lot of respect. Yeah? And 
whether it's the homeless person on the street or whether it's uh, one of the members of Blackpink, yeah, like we're all humans. And so, yeah, I, I don't like to differentiate. Exactly. Yeah, it's a very healthy attitude to have and it doesn't, you're not phased by anything, basically. You just do things and you stay true to your values and nothing bothers you in that sense. Like you treat everyone with equal kindness and respect. And I really appreciate that. In terms of camera equipment, how different is your camera equipment for your photography and for your filmmaking? I'd say, and I always say, it really depends on the type of project. But um, of course, as a photographer, it's um, easier to build your own gear and to own your own gear. And there was also the point where I made the jump and I started building my own camera gear. But then technology is also changing so rapidly yeah, that first it paid off and I, I appreciate if you have your own gear, I think the learning curve is also um, much faster. It's different. But um, then you also need to renew yourself like every year to uh, the latest like three years and uh, that becomes sort of frustrating and then your own gear but then there's a certain project where your gear is not sufficient or it's not the right type of gear then you need to go through rental again and rental in Korea is so amazing that I recently I just became like a huge fan of rental again and now at this point I kind of uh, dreaming to have my um, little small point point and shoot camera which um, I have with me for um, uh, creative purposes and um, because I also I see a huge significance in that because like lately I've been taking way too many photos with um, the iPhone and I'm also um, compiling images of my kids into like yearly photo books. And when I made the transition to the iPhone, now I just hugely regret that step yeah, because the first iPhone I used was the iPhone 3 and then the 6S and then going to the 10. And, and these images, they don't look the same. And then you can't go back in time. You can't change that. So... I see I see the purpose of having good gear with you beyond just having a phone as a camera as your main tool. Yeah, I think point and shoot cameras are very nice to use because they're so compact and small. They're a step away from smartphone cameras, so they do yeah. for quality, especially if it's a more expensive point and shoot. And it's easier to carry around, as I said. So it's just, yeah, I personally really like them. I think they look very cute and they're so pleasant to use. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sort of um, looking for an upgraded version of that now. And like now I'm on the waiting list for a Leica Q3. Um, it's coming out this year. Uh, I haven't pulled the trigger yet, but it's, it's something I'm dreaming of to have. And um uh, I think recently, b beyond um, the commercial work I'm doing, I have this uh, itch to um, get creative again and do some personal work and with no expectations whether whether it's taking me somewhere or not, yeah, just like for myself. So uh, it'd be nice to implement that with uh, a nice tool and 
go back to the craft of photography beyond just taking out the phone and like pointing it at something. Yeah, that's true. Well, I hope you have a chance to do that soon because I'm sure that'll be very relaxing for you. It's just great for creativity. I think it's good for anyone's creativity to try something new and maybe take a more minimalistic approach if they're feeling stressed. Yeah. Well, Niels, I have one more question for you, and that is, sure. what's the one thing you'd like to achieve in this great big photography world? <laughs> On top of my head, yeah. This, um, to be honest, I've never thought about that question, uh, or I've thought about it from angles which don't apply to me anymore. Like back in the days, I. I think I, I had dreams in terms of making achievements of um, sort of like honestly speaking to become sort of the next big thing. Yeah. And like to, I always wanted to um, become a DOP who shoots a director of photography, um, cinematographer to shoot feature films and especially like commercial feature films here in Korea within The film industry, which um, originally I liked so much and which took me to Korea in the first place. But um, I guess it all changed when I was building a family. And uh, now, instead of um, having these big aspirations in terms of work and becoming that big next thing yeah, or whatever that is, yeah, I just um, rather want to learn how to be a good person, a good human being, how to be a good dad, a good husband, a good friend. The more I take that approach, the more I also feel my creativity gets back to me. And it's not that I didn't have any of that, yeah, but I also feel I got distracted by a lot of commercial work and it's been important for the bread and butter and It's not that I want or have plans to disengage from that. It's it's important to um, to do that, but um, it's also important to take a photo and just be really happy about it and um, look back at it and say that's a nice photo. And for the photo to become meaningful to you and not to an audience which is totally disconnected from yourself. What an amazing answer. I really like your approach to creativity. I love what you said about that aspect of things because when we focus more on our values in life and we still pursue our interests, of course, I think it will be, we'll find it easier to find creativity again. Obviously, it's a case-by-case -case thing. Everyone is different. But for me as well, when I stop chasing specific goals and I tr stop trying to be a specific successful person let's say then I find more peace inside and that leads to more creativity so it's a very interesting thing that happens to a lot of people isn't it definitely and I don't know maybe it's um the process of um becoming older or growing up and and I I'm sure there's still like tons um to learn and I'm looking forward to that and I think This also, it, it kind of changed my attitude towards aging, where whereas in my 30s, I was um, kind of aware and 
almost to a level um, a little bit scared about like getting older and the times, um, the years like passing by so fast. And now I feel it's great. Yeah, it's great to get older and you get more mature and um, you get to see beyond and uh, you're not, you're not uh, so distracted anymore, I feel. Yeah, that's very true. That's so, it's so nice. It's so uplifting. I know a lot of people are scared of getting older, so I'm sure that your perspective might help them in some way. So, Niels, thank you so much for your time. I had so much fun speaking with you and I was so interested in learning more about your story. And I'm so happy that you shared so much because I learned a lot and I'm sure that the listeners did as well. I wish you the very best with your journey. I Hope to continue seeing your films and your photographs. And thank you once again for being a guest on this podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Taya. I, I really appreciate it. And I hope there's some value. And if people have questions and they want to reach out, um, they should feel free to um, get in touch with me and can contact me through my homepage. And yeah, I always like to engage with people and also if other people um are curious about um, moving towards um, Asia, the continent um, as a whole, or like even Korea, yeah, please get in touch and um, I hope I can help. That is so kind. Thank you so much. I'll share all the links to Niels's website and his videos in the show notes. So if you want to reach out to him, make sure to click on any of those links and send him a message. I'm sure that he'll appreciate it, as he said. So thank you once again for your time. Thank you, Ty. I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. It's always a pleasure to speak with people who are related to photography, but who are also skilled in things like cinematography. It's a very interesting career path, and if you're considering it, then I hope Niels's advice and techniques inspired you to try something new. If you have any questions for Niels, or if you just want to share your thoughts on these episodes, make sure to join our online photography community. There's a link to it in the description. See you next week. Our photography community wouldn't be what it is without its amazing members. We're working on many exciting projects and have lots of great perks waiting to be discovered by you. For a small monthly fee, you'll receive all kinds of perks. If you join as an extraordinary member, you'll get an ad-free experience, access to every sub-forum, access to our 52-week project, the ability to connect with all of our members, and more. As a Limitless member, you'll get all of the perks that I just mentioned and access to all of our premium courses and Lightroom presets. This is the perfect opportunity for anybody who wants to elevate their skills without paying thousands of dollars for courses. We're sure that you'll love being a part of our community if you're a fan of this podcast. In addition to meeting new people, you'll learn something new about photography every day which will help you improve quickly. It's also much more fun to take photographs when you have a group of amazing photographers supporting you. Go to photographycourse.net to find out more and to get 50% off your first year as a member. We can't wait to see you in our community. And again, just as a reminder, go to photographycourse.net slash join to claim your discount with the code GREATBIGPHOTOGRAPHYWORLD. We can't wait to see you there. There's a simple reason why PhotographyCourse.net is the highest rated photography community in the world. It's because the people who use it made it that way. Why not join us right now? Improve your skills, get exposure, and discover an exciting new world of photography. 
While you're at it, claim your special discount code by going to photographycourse.net and entering the coupon code PODCAST to get 50% off your first year as a premium member.